Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. And I'm Beth. And we are going to, well, we're going to start up north in Minnesota. Then we're going to go to Florida. Then we're going to end up in Texas. So I am doing the true crime. You are doing the paranormal. And I don't know which of those three states you chose. Well, because you bounced around so much. It wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) I chose a story that kind of covers all of those locations for my paranormal. So the beverage this week is one we've had before, but I kind of had to do it. And you'll understand why later. But we are having Bloody Marys. Yes, you can never go wrong with those anyway. Especially when they're made with zing zang. (laughs) Mom. According to their website, do you know what makes Zing Zang bold and flavorful? I don't. All of their mixes are made with unique blends of juices to bring the perfect flavor to your favorite cocktails. Also, they play loud disco music while they're making it. <laughs> if you guys have not had Zing Zang, this is not an ad, but it's really good. <laughs> it is. It is. Even straight, obviously. Obviously, yes. I made myself a little glass of just some Zing Zang and then I put some lime essential oils in there. To give it a little extra zing. (laughs) To the zang. To the zang. (laughs) So what's in mine? Well, you have a shot and a half of vodka for dog people. (laughs) Otherwise known as Tito's vodka. Really? Did you know they were known as vodka for dog people? No. Yeah, they are. I guess they raise money and help for dogs. Awesome. Shout out to Tito's. Plus they make really good vodka. Now I'm going to super enjoy the drink. And that's it. That's all I really added to yours because it's good just like that. That's all you got? Okay. (laughs) Simple, straight to the point. (laughs) I did want to give an extra shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you guys so much for your donations. This episode and all of our episodes are brought to you by our patrons. As you guys notice, we don't have advertisements and we choose to do that because that's not fun to cut up our episodes with advertisements. But we do appreciate the help that we get for all of our resources and our beverages from our patrons. So you can find a link to become a patron. You also get some extra goodies, too, for being a patron. The link is in the description of this episode and on our website. By the way, not only are you going to help Beth procure a laptop... But mine, we decided, was almost ready to explode because it gets so hot (laughs) that now we have another laptop to get. So, Gosh. Uh, At this point, you're kind of not buying our drinks. We're putting it into laptop fund. A laptop fund. (laughs) But we really do appreciate all the contributions and the support. Definitely. All right, mom. Okay. Now, for those listeners that are like me and are Dateline fanatics, you will be familiar with this case. Beth is not as much a Dateline freak as I am, and so she had never heard of this. So cool. All right. Mom, Disney Junior is what lives on my TV set, unfortunately. If the TV's on, it's Disney Junior or... Or Friends or The Office. This is true. (laughs) Okay. I got to come down somehow. Okay, so this is, like I said, from Minnesota, Florida, Texas, and this is the killer grandma. Quote, I feel I need to say this. I didn't know how much pain I was in until I wasn't anymore. Unquote. These are the words said by Lois Reese at her trial. 
words whose meanings are still not understood, not by me at least. <laughs> so as I said before, I got the idea for this podcast from watching Dateline, but also John Rosengreen, a journalist who kind of wrote the following story in the Activist magazine, number 107. He did such an excellent job in telling the killer grandma story that it was hard not to follow his lead. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving him credit. Well, when you find a good resource. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving him a lot of credit for this. And many, if not all of the quotes I use are from his article. Okay. Our story begins in Blooming Prairie, Minnesota. I just can't say without Minnesota. I know. She can't say the state <laughs> without trying the accent out. A town of about 1,900 people. So not big. Everyone knows everyone in town. Doors are left unlocked. Neighbors bring food over if you're sick. Guys hang out shooting pool and drinking beer. And on Sundays, the friends get together. Together. <laughs> the friends Mom, you get don't together. need to try the accent constantly. <laughs> friends get together to watch the Vikings. A place where people work hard, kick back and relax with friends and family and help out whenever they can. This is the little town where Dave and Lois Reese lived. Both had been born in Rochester, Minnesota. Oh my God. Dave on Minnesotans are going to get so irritated <laughs> <I know>. by you. <laughs> Dave on April 24th, 1963, and Lois Witt on February 28th, 1962. Yes, it grieves me to say that I too was born that year. <laughs> so we have that in common and only that. Dave enlisted in the Navy, and he and Lois married on September 17, 1982. He was 19, she was 20. Dave was known to his friends, as well as people in town, as a very nice guy with a contagious laugh. From all the descriptions, he just sounded like a super fun guy. Lois was the fourth of five children. Her father was an engineer at IBM, and her mother was what we can describe as a hoarder. So much so that Lois never invited friends to her home for fear of embarrassment. Mm. I mean, they could hardly move around their home or on their porch. Or yeah. After they married, Dave and Lois had three children in four years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and after Dave's oh, stint. I'm barely <laughs> wrapping my mind around our third that we're having within six, six years. years. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and after Dave's stint in the Navy, they moved back to Rochester. By all accounts, Lois and Dave were great parents. Lois ran a daycare center out of their home, and Dave opened a small shop, the Bait Box. So she had more kids around her. Yeah. She loved children. <laughs> oh, wow. Where he sold live bait and tackle. The family moved 45 minutes to Blooming Prairie in 2005. Here, Dave followed his dream. He opened a waxworm farm. So I see by your bewildered face that you also know nothing about waxworms because I knew nothing about okay. them either. I'm happy I'm not alone here. I'm assuming. <laughs> what is, is like, a waxworm? Bait? <laughs> it is bait, but they're caterpillar larvae of wax moths. And they get their name from the ability to eat beeswax. And they're considered a parasite in bee colonies, but a great bait for catching panfish. You know, like trout, catfish, anything you can fry up in a pan. That's a panfish. Yum. Anyway, as Dave built this waxworm farm, How Lois... Did build a farm of worms? Well, it's like a barn. And then you have these troughs i guess full of whatever tons of larvae oh 
not my cup of tea. No, mine neither. But good for them. Actually, it was quite lucrative too. Lois set up another daycare center at their house, always greeting parents and children with a warm smile and even a hot breakfast sandwich for the parents on their way out. Uh, hello. That's my school needs to step it up. <laughs> I'll take one of those, please. Obviously, she was very thoughtful and kind, generous, and they also said fun loving. Just just a lot of fun to be around. Well, she'd have to be around all those kids. <laughs> Her world was her children and her five grandchildren, who she totally spoiled. I mean, I thought I kind of spoiled the boys, you know, because I always bring them treats. No, she put me to shame. I mean, <laughs> she bought them just enough. She They're bought fine. these grandchildren cell phones. Nope. ATVs to ride around the property. You yeah. need to step it up. <laughs> <laughs> She joined a women's bowling league and traveled to tournaments around the state. In 2014, Lois stopped running the daycare. By this time, the waxworm farm was doing extremely good business. The farm was sending waxworms all over the country. So I guess there's people like Cabela's and Walmart. Anybody that sells bait, bait and, yeah. they buy waxworms. Wow. So it was very lucrative. Well, you'd have like a timeline on the worms being shipped places. Cause don't they turn into moths? Eventually, yeah. Are they live when they ship them? I'm, yeah. Ooh, I'm just thinking about all these worms. I'm like getting itchy thinking about it. sort of reminded me of like looking at maggots. Yes. You okay, know, I don't know just, how big they are. I think they're bigger. I'm sure than, they're not like the center of the story. So let's just they're, move on. They're bigger than maggots. Pass. Okay. <laughs> oh, Lois enjoyed cooking and often treated the four or five young guys that worked on the farm to a hot lunch and always served with a smile and a laugh and a joke, you know, just having a good time. The couple were well known and well liked by people of Blooming Prairie. That's what made what happened all the more unbelievable. March 8th, 2018 was the last time Dave's friends saw him. They drank beer, shot pool, and talked football. Just a usual Thursday night with the guys. The last time family saw Dave was at their grandson's basketball tournament the following Sunday. The farm workers reported to the police that they saw Lois on Monday, March 12th, when she stopped by the office. But she was acting odd. Usually she was jovial and always asking about their weekend. Not this Monday. She didn't look anyone in the eye and just muttered that Dave wasn't feeling well. Neither Dave or Lois was seen on Tuesday or Wednesday. On Thursday, Lois came to the office again, again acting oddly, saying that Dave was still ill. She went into the office and just sat in a chair staring out the window. Mm. The next week, Lois told the workers that Dave was feeling much better and was heading to the Cabela's Master's Wall-Eye Circuit. Oh, that's a big, that's a, like a mouthful. Anyway, uh, that was a fishing competition. Dave was an avid fisherman, so the workers would have been more surprised if he wasn't going to the competition. Okay. Mm, then they were a little thrown when two days later, after Dave was supposed to have left, they saw Lois drive off in Dave's Escalade. Now, this is a car that Dave always took when he went fishing so he could tow his boat. Hmm. That was strange. Now, there's something I didn't mention about Lois. She loved to play the slot machines. One of her favorite casinos was Diamond Joe, and she frequented it often. Lois was, in fact, an addicted gambler and had mm -hmm. been for years. 
One time she asked for a donation from the farm workers so she could buy a golf cart for Dave to get around the property. Uh, the golf cart never showed up. I mean, it's just one addiction. Her mom was addicted to hoarding and now she's addicted to gambling. Gambling. That's so sad. Lois's son, Brandon, told Inside Edition that Lois had gambled the inheritance from her father, all $500,000 <gasps> of it. Oh, remember, my word. She only played the slot machines. To further point out how desperate for money Lois was, she placed her oldest sister, Kim, in an adult care home after Kim had a mental breakdown. Lois then filed to be Kim's legal guardian. She declared her sister unfit, saying she had bipolar disorder, depression, schizophrenia, and OCD disorder that caused her to spend money lots of money. I guess the courts believed her because she was in control of Kim's resources, which included a $200,000 inheritance from their father. Oh no. She lied her way through the court hearings after she was discovered she was taking money from her sister while her sister was being yeah, locked up and gambling with it. So she, when she was finally brought to trial for it, because it was, of course, uncovered, she was not believed. She was saying all kinds of things about her sister and, you know, it was her sister that was spending it or whatever. And she was discharged as Kim's guardian. That was all taken away from her. And she was ordered to repay $100,534 to her. Wow. And no criminal charges would be pressed if she paid that money. The day after the worm farm workers saw Lois drive off in the Escalade, she turned up at Diamond Joe. She played the slots for a while. The video showed her then going next door to the come and go. It's like a convenient shop. Mm -hmm. There she asked in what is described as a girlish voice to the cashier. Say, if you want to start heading south, would you take 35 south just to keep going on down to the next state? It was that night the police found Dave's body lying in the bathroom. Of that come and go? No. In of the their house. house? Mm -hmm. He had been shot two times and covered with a towel. Lois had been in the house for over a week. Oh my god! With the body. The Dodge County Sheriff's Office, Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, and Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation tracked Lois down to Diamond Joe's using her cell phone. But by the time they arrived, she was long gone. I found it interesting to learn that compulsive gamblers fall into two categories. Thrill seekers, who are usually men, and they usually play the high rolling kind of games, mm -hmm. you know, with big money. Bigger stakes. Mm -hmm. And what they call escape artists. According to the 2005 article published in the International Journal of Mental Health and Addiction, these are mostly women who, when playing the slot machines, fall into a trance-like state. Oh my gosh. A way to forget the world and the problems in it. It is not uncommon for the woman to feel guilt and shame as her gambling problem gets worse. She will start to withdraw, and this was indeed the case with Lois. Townspeople admitted to police when asked that they knew Lois, but hadn't seen her for a while. Oh, no. Lois became the primary person of interest in the killing of Dave, and the case was assigned to general investigator Ben Boyle. He found that weeks before, Lois had deposited business checks from the worm farm into Dave's personal account, one for $8,684 and another for $1,209. She then cashed three checks from the account totaling $11,000. The question was, why would she kill her husband? 
Right. Was the motive the money to feed her gambling problem? This was That's some nothing compared to the five hundred thousand right. dollars spent. This was something new that investigators had never seen. There were, however, some people that were not that surprised. Lois was likable, said one of Dave's close friends, but you always knew she was a click off. She did some oddball shit. And as we have heard so many times before in previous podcasts, friends said that more than once David said, if I go missing, you come looking for Lois. I hate when we say that quote in our episode. Especially, you know, I mean, 2020 hindsight, but oops, sorry. <laughs> Just kicked my dog in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and he still hasn't moved. Nope. Now I'm going to take a moment to describe Lois because it comes into play in the next part of the saga. She is described as about 5'5 and 165 pounds. Her hair is long and white, like the color of my hair. <laughs> but many sites call it bleach blonde. So, hey, I can go with that now. <laughs> my hair is bleach blonde. Oh, boy. She looks like a friendly, happy-go-lucky grandmother. I'll have to shoot you a picture of her. You would yeah. not believe this story if you look at a picture of her she's always smiling always it's like the giggling granny yeah <laughs> what's now, up with these grannies <laughs> let me introduce you to pam hutchison a 59 year old shortish blonde white haired woman okay <laughs> i don't know what you call it now she was described as fun outgoing and quick to make a friend on april 3rd 2018 pam checked into a timeshare condo in fort myers beach she was staying alone, but had come to be with her friend whose husband had recently committed suicide. That Wednesday, April 4th, Pam joined her friend for lunch, but declined the offer for dinner and said she spent her evening with another woman she had just met. The two hit it off right away, Pam feeling sorry for the other woman because of her story of just losing her husband. Uh-oh. The women can be seen on the bar video drinking, talking, and what looks like having a great time. They spent about three hours in the bar and then were seen walking towards Pam's condo. The next evening, the two women are caught on video again, this time having dinner at the Smokin' Oyster, uh, which is a bar restaurant. At one point, Pam's companion swishes her hair over her shoulder. Now, this becomes an important detail later. Okay, okay. so she has longish you know, whitish hair, and she's just tossing it over her shoulder, okay? At 7.37, Pam paid for all the drinks and their dinner. Friday morning, the manager of the condo gets a call from Pam's condo, number 404. The woman on the line says she was Pam, gushing that she had met some fun people and she wanted to stay for the weekend. So the manager put three extra days on Pam's credit card. That same morning, a woman walked into the Wells Fargo Bank in Fort Myers wearing a white fedora with a black ribbon around the rim. She withdrew $5,000 from Pam's account. That afternoon, she got into Pam's Acura TL and drove about 220 miles upstate to Ocala and checked into a Hilton. Using Pam's credit card, the woman paid for the room and room service. The next morning, she made three ATM withdrawals of $500 each using Pam's credit card. The woman left Ocala and drove to the Cushetta Casino Resort in Louisiana. I wonder who this woman is. She actually won a $1,500 jackpot and claimed the money using a driver's license and social security card belonging to... Lois Reese. Hmm. On April 9th, the condo manager noticed a foul smell coming oh, from no. 404. You know it's coming, but 
You hate to hear it. She entered the condo and found <sighs> a woman's body lying on the bathroom floor. She had been shot. She had been dead for a few days. The killer had covered her body with a towel and had turned the thermometer to 61 or 16.1 Celsius. <laughs> the police were called and the body was identified as Pam Hutchison. They followed her credit card trail, which led to the surveillance videos. So right. going backwards. There was another woman with Pam in much of the footage. The two women looked very similar. Same height, same build, same hair color. The video from the condo showed the two women walking to number 404 at 7.46 p.m. together. Then at 8.34 p.m., the other woman leaves the condo and stands at the railing looking distraught and crying. The next morning's video shows the woman wearing a white fedora with a black ribbon on the rim moving luggage from a Cadillac Escalade into Pam's Acura. Now I'm going to back up a week to April 2nd. This is when Tess Coster, she and her husband Rod, lived in Blooming Prairie, but winterized in <laughs> Fort Myers. Oh, must be nice. She got a phone call from her daughter saying that a woman had called asking for the Coster's address. The woman said she was a friend and happened to be in Fort Myers. Well, the daughter gave the woman her parents' address because her parents were always inviting people down to visit. So she didn't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. That afternoon, Tess happened to be outside and saw a woman with a white ponytail standing at the end of the driveway looking at the house numbers. When Tess stepped towards the woman, she recognized it was Lois. Lois ducked her head and said something about having the wrong house, then drove away in an Escalade. Did she know anything about Lois like being wanted for murdering her husband? Tess, of course, had heard from friends <gasps> about police finding Dave dead. So she and Rod called 911 Good. right away. Good. Now, this is where the police are a bit lax. They knew Lois was wanted, but they figured she was long gone from Fort Myers. They didn't stake out the bridge to the mainland or search Fort Myers for Lois try? or the Escalade. They didn't even try? Get this. Pam's body from the condo yeah. was found only two blocks from the Coster's house. I mean, did they didn't even like try to look for the Escalade? I mean, that's... I don't think so. Because they surely would have found it. Because yeah. the killing happened two and blocks away. And it was parked away. in the parking lot. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. There's now a bolo out for Pam and the white Acura. They were seriously afraid that Lois, the grandmotherly looking woman, would run out of cash, become desperate, and kill again. There were billboards with her name and photo up in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, and Nevada. There was a $5,000 reward. Tips came in and police followed every one of them, but the trail was cold. Had she crossed the border into Mexico, but she didn't have a passport. Then again, she could be using someone else's. Authorities were putting nothing past Lois by this time. Did you get a picture of her? Yeah, I just pulled up a picture of her. I mean, she doesn't look scary. She doesn't. And she's like super tan. And, and it does. It's very blonde. I, th I would say it's more blonde than white. It is more like it depends. blonde. But in the, in the surveillance videos, it's like white. It's, it's weird. But I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of blonde tan women in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, oh man. Okay. And, but she doesn't look very scary at all. Threatening she looks at all. Very nice. Yeah. She's very friendly. Mm -hmm. Go on. Sorry. Now we're going to amble down to South Padre Island, Texas. And I do mean amble. This is where people go to relax and get away from it all. 
This is actually where Socks and I went when we graduated from Benedictine. <laughs> we took a road trip to Padre Island. Yeah, there's stories there. Anyway, um, news of the killer, quote, killer grandma had not reached this community. So for more than a week, Lois, now known as Donna, spent her time leisurely befriending women her age that were traveling alone. One of those was Bernadette Mathis. She was sitting alone at the bar of a restaurant when Lois slash Donna sat down beside her and struck up a conversation. The two women enjoyed dinner together, then exchanged phone numbers. They met up for dinner again the next night at the same restaurant. The bartender noticed something strange that night. Bernadette, who he had come to know, could usually hold her liquor. But this night she seemed drunk after only one drink. Uh-oh. Bernadette only had a vague recollection of that night. She remembers sitting in the hot tub at her house with Lois and Lois spending the night in the spare bedroom. I'm going to add here that there were a ton of security cameras throughout the house, which probably saved her life. So Bernadette was from the area? Mm-hmm. Okay. The next day, the women agreed to meet for dinner again the following Friday, April 20th. Then Lois befriended two more women, Peggy Houlihan and Isabel Barrio. Lois seemed fixed on Isabel. She met both of the women at a bar. When Isabel arrived, Lois pulled her aside and they talked and then left the bar without even saying goodbye. This information was taken from police reports, so I'm not sure what to make of that whole scene. Okay. On Thursday, April 19th, Lois drove to Dirty Al's, a seafood restaurant. As Lois looked at the menu at the hostess desk, the manager noticed her. She seemed familiar to him. Then she did the hair flip over Uh the shoulder and boom. And it clicked. It hit him. Yeah, because he had seen the video of her, you know, because it was on on all the news channels. Sure, but good for him for putting two and two together. It just clicked. It was the killer grandma. She left the restaurant because there was no place to sit at the bar. She always loved to sit up at the bar. Yeah, because that's usually where you can strike up conversation. Uh Can't really strike up conversation at a table. At a table, right. The manager called 911. Lois hadn't ventured far. The Acura was parked in the parking lot of the restaurant next door. When the marshals walked into the Sea Ranch restaurant, they immediately spotted Lois sitting at the corner of the bar. They walked Lois out of the restaurant with no resistance. In fact... Marshal Shelley Sleep is quoted as saying she didn't have a single emotion on mm. her face. After searching Lois's motel room and the Acura, the marshals found an assortment of items, but the ones that gave me pause were a black bag with bullets, a holster, duct tape, rubber gloves, as well as two handguns were all inside that black bag. So it's Jeez. kind of a kill kit almost. It's just so crazy to me because I don't know how you just go all of a sudden to killing people. I don't know. And what's really scary about her was, so she killed her husband. That's scary enough. But now it's like she's, she killed a random woman. Now she's like conning people to kill them. Yeah. Right. And now she's got these kill kits. It's like, oh, that's crazy to me. They also found wrapped in a hotel hand towel, Pam's sunglasses, which led authorities to to think that Lois had held on to those as a trophy. Oh, no. Lois's case is haunting in many ways. One is that 
quote, she doesn't fit a profile. No, not at all. Said Tricia Atkin, a forensic psychologist in Minneapolis, because you don't have enough people like her to make a profile. Mm -mm. Isn't that interesting? Well, I don't know how she, like we just said, she went from like A to six, like random, like, oh, it's so crazy to me. It is more often... In fact, one in five people with serious gambling problems consider suicide more so than murder. I can see that. Oddly enough, there are very few cases where a person with a gambling problem has killed another person. So do they know why she killed her husband? Did he find out? There's. Did, oh, no, he knew about it. He, he knew he about the gambling. Her any more money he anymore? knew about the gambling problem. Hmm. There are often other conditions that go along with the gambling addiction, such as depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. Well, it's just like any other addiction, unfortunately. And these disorders are often found within families. Lois's family is a case in point. Her mother was a hoarder and was eventually committed to a state hospital for the mentally ill. Then I mentioned Kim earlier. Lois also had another older sister, Cindy, who suffered from depression. A year after Lois killed Dave, Cindy fought with her 37-year-old son when he arrived home drunk. He was kicked out of the house, and later that evening, Cindy found the son lying in the driveway asleep. He refused to get into the car when she offered him a ride, so she did what any mother would do. She ran over <gasps> with the car. Mom, that's not funny. Don't laugh. I, when I read it, it was just like, what? What did I just read? Oh my gosh, that's so sad. He suffered a fractured pelvis and head injury, so she didn't kill him, but it was enough. But still, she ran over her son with her car. She was charged, and five months later, after arguing with her probation officer, she bought a clothesline and hung herself in a park near where the family had grown up. Mm, they just have some demons. Yeah. Lois Reese appeared in court in Florida on December 17th, 2019. She admitted to killing Pam Hutchison to avoid the death penalty. She was also charged with grand theft auto and the criminal use of property of a deceased person. She was sentenced to a life in prison without parole. On August 11th, 2020, in the trial of Dave Reese's murder in Minnesota, Lois also pled guilty to first degree murder and received life in prison without parole. At the trial, Lois said that the couple went to their grandson's basketball game that Sunday night. Mm -hmm. Lois wanted to stay, but Dave insisted that they leave. They argued on the way home and continued arguing at home. According to Lois, Dave took a gun out of his dresser and handed it to her saying, why don't you just kill yourself? Maybe you'll get it right this time. Oh, that's terrible. So a few years earlier, Lois had tried to kill herself with an overdose oh, of pills. Oh, gosh. Lois said that she took the gun and fired it twice at her husband. Then she laid down with him and closed his eyes. I don't have anything to say. I don't know. That's sad. Lois is currently serving her time at the Minnesota Women's Correctional Facility instead of Florida so she can be closer to her family. It's weird. I mean, I, I obviously do not know what the woman is thinking of or feeling. But in most of her prison photos, she's smiling. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I just looked up on Google. She's smiling. She's smiling in every picture. Yep. Like she has no worries in the world. 
This woman didn't just hurt strangers when she took the life of Pam. She also tore the hearts of her own children and grandchildren. Oh, what about when her she kids killed when she killed Dave? <sighs> yeah. Well, that was a sad. It's sad all the way around. I mean, I don't know. Just watching the videos and looking at her, she just looks like a person that would be fun to hang around with and you know it just makes you think oh my god you just really don't know people no alex and i were actually just talking about this the other night we're talking about robin williams and how fun and lighthearted, and you just never know what inner demons people are fighting with Mm -hmm. and we don't know what happens behind closed doors well what she said happened with her husband could have very well been and that's probably not the first time that they've had those terrible words towards each other Mm -hmm. and i mean inevitably something's gonna come from that it's just it's so sad that we don't know people's own demons no that's why you always should be nice to one another well people were nice pam was very nice to her (sighs) these people were very nice to maybe you don't be nice to strangers (laughs) don't talk to strangers stranger danger (sighs) yeah i don't i don't know but on one hand okay so she shot him and that's really bad but what makes it worse... And then she went out and killed a stranger. No, that she lived with the dead body for a week, got money, and went gambling. Well, she didn't know how to deal with it. Like, well, I, and where I think, it, like, domestic violence is one thing. But then when she goes out on the road and takes it on the road, like, conning women and trying yeah. to... I mean, goodness knows how much longer more women could have ended up being and she always picked women that look kind of like her well so she could steal so she could steal their ids so it was meditated is premeditated so that's what makes her even scarier exactly she went from this sweet i mean can you imagine if like you sent your kids to her daycare and and then you get this story can you imagine like i knew that person oh my gosh she used to make me breakfast sandwiches yeah (gasps) oh it was just a very haunting strange story that i wanted to share for sure so you said you have a very spooky story. So much so that she's got this essential oil blowing. and Essential oil blowing. Yep. And we said the St. Michael prayer before <laughs> we started the podcast because she said it was so haunting. So yeah, I don't know how much lighting up I'm going to be doing. Like oh. lightening up, lighting up. We're not lighting up, mom. <laughs> okay. Yes, I have some white angelica essential oils going to cleanse our auras and clean. Yes. Okay. Are we ready? We're ready. Oh, this drink is really good, by the way. You can't go wrong. It's Zing Zang. <laughs> so since mom's killer granny killed in a few different states, I had some options as to where I could find my haunting this week. And like I said, I chose something where the haunting kind of haunts people in just about all states. Oh. So back in the day as an early teenager, most of you, I'm sure, took part in the weekend shenanigans of a sleepover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was chatting about this with Alex, and from what I gathered from his sleepovers, they included staying up late into the early morning playing video games like <laughs> GoldenEye and Halo and sneaking into the kitchen to get late midnight snacks. Okay, that's a guy for you. Yes. As a girl... I remember our sleepovers always including calling our crushes, lots of candy. I just always remember tons of candy (laughs) and playing games like light as a feather, stiff as a board and summoning demons like Bloody Mary. (laughs) So maybe the cocktail already gave it away, but I am going to tell you all the legends and hauntings of Bloody Bloody Mary. Mary. Okay. Now, in my research, I found it super interesting 
I really thought that this was going to be like Bloody Mary. This is who she was. This is what you do. And here are some stories. (laughs) Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Every story in like, I guess you could call it a seance and how to summon her is different all over the United States. Mm. And every story behind who she is and why she haunts you through the mirror is all different from like depending on where you've heard about her or where you live in the United States. So how I always played it was you go into the bathroom with a candle, you turn out the lights and you say Bloody Mary three times and then you wait as Bloody Mary shows up to you in the mirror reaching out to grab you. You have to flush the toilet. (laughs) To clear her away before you run out. I didn't know that part. That is what we've always done. And I'm really happy that we did that because a lot of these didn't have the any flushing like, toilet. Flushing toilet or clearing her. They would just yeah. turn on the lights or just open the door and scream and run out. And That's so what we did. It's not it's like not closing the Ouija board. <laughs> She's still out there. So we always flushed the toilet. <laughs> Maybe because it was my babysitter that introduced me to this. Who was that? <laughs> One of the Kennedy girls introduced me <laughs> to Bloody Mary. I think I was even younger than eight uh, now that I yeah. think about it. But thank you, babysitter. <laughs> I think, too, she kind of made it more age appropriate. If you can make summoning a demon <laughs> more age appropriate. But some of the other versions of Bloody Mary are much scarier. I read many different varieties of summoning Bloody Mary. Some say that Bloody Mary appears in the mirror with a dead baby. Oh. And she's coming to get your soul to bring her baby back to life. Goodness. Um, terrifying. Yeah. Some say, of course, that she shows up covered in blood. I didn't read anywhere about flushing the toilet to clear the air before you run out. I've never heard so of that. I'm very happy my babysitter taught me that one. <laughs> did you ever play as a kid? When I was in fifth grade, we did it at the school. I was going to it private. I read a lot of stories about girls doing it like at the mall or at their school. We did it at the school and I was going to a Lutheran private school (laughs) at the time. (laughs) My God. But I think, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think all of us girls did it at least once. Like that was just kind of the thing you did with your girlfriends. (laughs) Guys stayed up and played Halo and we were like, let's go summon Bloody Mary in the bathroom. So like I said, there are different variations in different parts of the country. But always involves a mirror. Yes. Okay. Always. Sometimes you have to say her name constantly until you see her. Others play it that you say it. So some people play it that you say it just three times. Some people you just continually say, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. It's over and over and over and over and over until she comes. Some people play it that you actually say, Bloody Mary, I believe you. Bloody Mary, I believe you. And you chant that. Others, even worse, say, Mary, I killed your baby. But it's basically all the same. Conjuring. Conjuring. Yes. And possibly there are so many different ways to do this summoning or this seance of Bloody Mary because there are so many legends as to who Bloody Mary was. I literally thought, like I said, going to this research, it would just be like, bing, bang, boom. This is who she was. This is what you do. Here's some scary stories. No, they don't know who she is. She's gone by so many names. Bloody Mary, Mary Worthington, Bloody Bones, Hell Mary. The list goes on and on. And in some variations of calling up Mary, she's actually not bad, but a fortune teller. You go into the bathroom with a candle. You chant Bloody Mary three times, three to 13 times. (laughs) 
and she'll show you either your future spouse or a skull, meaning you're going to die before you get married. Oh my gosh, (laughs) that's horrifying. And I don't know, I think seeing a woman with a dead baby is a little more scary than am I going to get married or am I going to die before I get married? I mean, it's not the well, end even of the, the world. I guess it's what you go in there for. Do you Are you going in there for a fortune or are you going in there too? Right. Some people believe that she's more of a fortune teller than anything. Okay. All these different seances, summonings, stories, and different names from all over the country. Like I said, the fact is that no one really knows who Bloody Mary was. There are many options and I'm going to give you the top four options okay. and their histories. So you guys ready for a fun history lesson? Okay. We're really dating back in some of these. So the first is Elizabeth Bathory. Yes, I know her name's not Mary, but for some reason she was on the top of everyone's list as to who Bloody Mary was. Now, she was just an awful woman. She was born in 1560 in Hungary. She came from a very wealthy family. And from a young age, she was really into violence. Oh. Now, this is a real person. This is not a legend. Yeah. So I guess it started when she was really young as a child. She laughed as she watched the way criminals and gosh, any person thought to be a criminal was treated back in the Middle Ages was just awful. Mm -hmm. But when she was little, like, I mean, six or seven, she laughed as she watched a man who was arrested for stealing being sewn into the body of a horse. What? I had to reread that like several times. I don't remember hearing about that kind of torture in any of my history classes, but he was sewed into the body of a horse. Sounds like a lot of work to suffocate him. Yeah. Ooh. She was married at 14. Her husband was like 19, I think. He went off to war to fight the Ottomans. Known to, He was known to be a very brutal fighter in war, and he was gone a lot. When he was home, the two bonded over basically torturing their servants. She became addicted, basically, and her beatings and torturing of the young girls grew worse. She created this sadistic group of basically killers, and they would just kill and torture her female servants regularly. Oh, my God. But this became too much work for her because if she kills her servants and she's got to hire new servants and train them, this was too much work. So she started actually sending this kill squad out to the villages to start like getting the girls back to her castle where she would just torture and kill them. And there's nothing that anybody could ever. There was rumors, of course, but there's nothing anybody could ever do. She was royalty. She was super wealthy. I think the king even owed her money. It would start out really small, like if a girl missed a single stitch, the poor girl would be stabbed several times with long sewing needles. There was so much torture in the torture chamber that she created. I won't go through all the gruesome details, but let's just say that cannibalism was a form of torture for her victims. Oh. Now, this is not a legend. Like I said, this is she was a real woman. She's in the history books. She became known as Queen of Blood or the Blood Countess. She got so greedy that she opened a finishing school for the noble girls to come and attend, which wasn't very smart because the nobles would and did start talking when their daughters weren't coming home. Oh, my gosh. And she came up with these crazy stories like how one of the girls went crazy and killed all the girls before she killed herself. I mean, she was awful. And from all my research, I found that she was also very beautiful. And this is where the legend kind of comes in, is that to keep her beauty, they say she was doing these killings to bathe in their blood and like stay youthful. But 
the end of the day, I don't, I think she was just a terrible person. I don't think she she was was bathing in their blood. She just really enjoyed torturing and killing these girls. She was arrested in 1610 and never went to trial, but remained in prison until her death in 1614. Her death count was somewhere between 80 to 600 victims. What? She was buried in the village of the castle. I, I, Cathtis Castle. It's C-A-C-H-T-I-C-E, Cathtis. But the villagers did not want her buried there because of what she'd done to all Mm -hmm. of their daughters. And so they dug her up and they put her in her family crypt, the Bathory Crypt. Interestingly enough, when they opened the crypt in 1995, her body was not there. Mm. So option one, Bloody Mary, the blood countess Elizabeth Bathory. She never had children, did she? God, I hope not. I believe she did. I believe she did. Okay, option two. We're learning some European history here. (laughs) Option two is Mary, Queen of Scots. A little about her. She was just six days old when her father died and she took the throne. Oh. After her first husband died, she moved to Scotland and married her cousin. Okay. While pregnant with their son, James, she witnessed her husband slash cousin stab a man 56 times in front of her, killing this man. After the murder, her husband slash cousin mysteriously died, leaving many to speculate that she had something to do with it. Another reason for that was that she ended up marrying the man who had gone to trial for the death of her husband slash cousin. Okay. There was an uprising after this marriage, and she ran away to England to get protection from her cousin, Queen Elizabeth, who instead threw her in jail (laughs) and eventually had her beheaded. Now, I mean, it's sad... It's a bit comical, but the guy that was hired to behead Mary, Queen of Scots, was new at his job. Oh, no. And it actually took a few times to get it right. Oh, no. And then when he finally did the job, he reached down to grab her head and hold it up and say, long live the queen. But he reached down and grabbed the wig and the head just rolled away. I wish that would have happened to the first woman. (laughs) Beheaded? Yeah, that would have... So that's option two. Okay. Okay. Option three is Queen Mary, Mary Tudor, the Queen of England. Now, if you remember from your history books, she killed over 300 Protestants. But I kind of feel sad for her. It's terrible. That makes me sound. I'm not justifying what she did by any means. But talk about somebody with an absolutely horrible life. Okay. She was born to Queen Catherine of Aragon and King Henry VIII. Oh, first of all, King Henry didn't really like her because she was the only heir and she was a woman girl. Then he falls in love with Miss Anne Boleyn, divorces his wife, Catherine, which if you remember, the Catholic Pope turned that down. So Henry's like, well, screw you. I'm going to make my own religion so I can get rid of Catherine and marry Anne Boleyn. In doing so, he also made a decree that his daughter, Mary is now illegitimate because that marriage to her mother, Catherine, wasn't real. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So Mary lives in his castle as a servant, basically, and becomes a servant for Anne Boleyn's daughter, Elizabeth. Oh, no. I mean, just how terrible. Oh. Catherine, her mother, is sent away, and now she doesn't have anybody. And on top of all of this, as she gets older, she suffers greatly every month to what now historians believe is endometriosis. So she's in terrible, absolute pain every month when she menstruates. Her physicians refer to it as her, quote, usual troubles. 
unquote, which was just agonizing pain, fevers. I mean, it was just terrible. Long story short, while her dad is busy marrying and killing off his wives, remember right. Henry mm-hmm. VIII, she is offered a declaration that if she is to sign it, she will be illegitimate, but she will be reinstated into the line of succession. Oh. I'm not sure exactly how that worked, but she signed it and she's on the line of secession, but she's like way down the line. Mm-hmm. Basically, her little brother Edward is made king at nine years old when Henry VIII died. And then Edward gets really sick and he dies at 15. Now remember, she's still practicing Catholic and nobody likes her. On his deathbed, Edward was even, she was supposed to be the next to the throne after Edward. But on his deathbed, this 15 year old is like, no, my cousin, Lady Jane Grace, is going to be queen. The whole village goes into this uprising and they want Mary to be queen. So we're learning here. Okay. Would I have made a good history teacher? I don't know. (laughs) Have you guys already turned me off? So anyway, there's this huge uprising from the people. They want Mary to be their rightful queen. So she becomes queen. But because of all the strife and the terrible life she had growing up, she takes it all out on the Protestants. Oh. And she kills over 300 of them in a terrible way. She burns them all at the stake. I mean, she gathers like five or six pregnant women, ties them to a stake, and makes everybody watch. Oh my gosh. Yes. She, that was pretty dark. The history books say that she was very haggard and just because of all the pain she went through every single month, she was just not very attractive. She was very frail. And there's actually this really interesting fact I remember in high school because I was just, you know, a big history nerd. She had this crazy phantom pregnancy. She ended up marrying some guy, some guy, King Philip. And <laughs> he, like, didn't really like her. Like, <laughs> he just wanted the crown? I don't know. I He kind of messed around with some other ladies, but didn't really like his wife, called her ugly. And, like, when she died, his quote was, quote, I felt only a moderate grief for her, unquote. <laughs> but anyway, they're married. And all of a sudden, she's like, oh, my gosh, I think I'm pregnant. And you know, she wasn't going through all that pain every single month. And her belly started to grow. And the due date's starting to come. So they get the birthing room ready. Mm-hmm. And the due date comes and goes. And they're like, okay, well, maybe we had our timeline incorrect. And so then another month goes by. And then another month goes by. And then her belly starts to go down. And they think some people say she probably had a tumor, but others, it was just this crazy phantom pregnancy. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my god! She wanted a baby so badly. And yeah. Anyway, she died. Like I said, her husband didn't care. And Anne Boleyn's daughter, Queen Elizabeth, took the throne. She's buried in this little grave next to, well, basically, it's next to this huge shrine for Elizabeth. So even in her death, she's still minimalized. Mm -hmm. And they believe that she held on to all those feelings of not being wanted and hatred even into her death. Mm, That's just horrible. So the last option of who Bloody Mary is, is Mary Bloodsworth. And this is where I think it really comes from. (laughs) Okay. She lived in Massachusetts and she sold some healing herbs. She was beautiful. And because of this, many people believed she was a witch. Witch. Now, her story has to be where they got the story Hocus Pocus from because it really sounds a lot like it. Okay. Girls in the village started disappearing and the people believed that it was Mary Bloodsworth taking the girls and taking their youthful beauty. Exactly. (laughs) Apparently, one night, the miller's daughter in town sat up and started walking in a trance-like state out of her house. Oh, my gosh. Her mother started yelling at her, trying to get her out of the trance, but the girl just kept walking walking the girl started putting off a strange glow and the mom started screaming for help 
People come out to help, but no one can wake the girl. She just keeps walking. The mom looks ahead and sees that her daughter is walking right towards Mary Bloodworth's home, which is also lit in a weird glow. And Mary Bloodsworth is outside with a wand guiding the girl to her home. Oh my goodness. The people of the village freak out and go after Mary. Uh-huh. Now, this is where the legend differs. Either she ran away and a farmer shot her in the hip, she fell to the ground, and she cursed all the people, saying that they could all find her in their mirrors. Oh. Or, as she escaped, glass smashed around her, cutting her very badly. They took her to trial and found that she was pregnant. She refused to say who the father was, leaving them all, of course, to believe that this is Satan's baby. Mm -hmm. So they decide to use the same glass that had cut her to kill the baby. So they slash her stomach, killing her and the baby with the glass. Hence the story of all the babies being seen with her Mm -hmm. in the mirrors. Mm -hmm. So those are the four options. There are many more. Uh, There's like... A story of a Mary Worthington who was a very vain woman and loved her reflection. And she got into a very bad car accident and her face was very mangled. She couldn't look at herself anymore. And she ended up committing suicide. I mean, there's like all these different stories of who Bloody Mary could be, but there's not just one. Isn't that interesting? Wouldn't you think that that would just be, this is the story. Here it is. Well, but I because there's all these options <laughs> people well because people do it all over and look how long I mean I did it when I was in fifth grade and then you did it you know I mean so many years later so obviously people have been doing this for a long time right it doesn't surprise me that it's not real verified where it came from well here's the real question does summoning Bloody Mary really work I read many stories about how after chanting her name odd things did in fact happen there are even some videos on youtube you have to weed through the fakes there are a lot of fakes but there are a few that very scary one was where a father and daughter were summoning bloody mary now this one seemed really real to me you could tell the dad was like teasing his daughter of just like she's like come on let's do this she probably was like 14 and he was kind of just humoring her uh-huh. and so he's videotaping it and they're they're giggling about it at first and then they start to chant bloody mary as soon as they say it once the tap turns on teenager starts to get scared but her dad is like you did that like he's even like right. you you turned that on and you can tell from where they're both standing no one's near the tap <laughs> and then So they start to say Bloody Mary three more times, start it over and say it three times. And there is a loud crash in the room with them. They sit there for a little bit and you'll see the girl looking at something behind her dad. Her eyes get really big. She turns and sprints out of the bathroom terrified. And he's just kind of laughing like, what is going on? (laughs) But he kind of scans the phone or the camera, whatever they were using, Back in the direction she was looking and then as she runs away, he turns it. People have slowed down the video and they truly believe that they too saw something in the dad's footage, like a figure. Oh, many people reported the sink turning on loud bangs and even tapping coming from the other side of the mirror. Ooh. In another video, it's two young girls. I mean, they're like maybe eight and ten. Maybe. Oh, no. And they're giggling. It's broad daylight. You know, the window's bringing in tons of light. Like, it's broad daylight. And they're laughing about it and just being really goofy. They do the chant and then kind of, they're kind of sad. They're like, nothing happened. They start laughing about it again. Then you see their faces just change. 
and they get really serious. They kind of look at each other and then there is this string on the light above them, you know, like a pull string to Mm -hmm, turn on a light. mm -hmm. And it just starts swaying back and forth. You can tell the girls are scared. You can tell they just sensed something in there with them. They just turn and quickly walk out like they're just done. They didn't flush the toilet? No. (laughs) Nobody flushed the dang toilet. Some videos showed cabinets opening. And in one, the guys were screwing around. You could tell they weren't taking it serious at all. Mm -hmm. They were just messing around. I think to scare the youngest boy that was with them. And then they get scared because the lights in the bathroom wouldn't turn back on. After oh. they did the summoning. And then the door was stuck. They couldn't, oh, they couldn't open get it out. And they couldn't get oh my out. Gosh. There were stories of the smell of rotting flesh. Ooh. And even a story where I guess like five girls that sleep over went in and got scared and ran out. And they left one of their friends behind. Oh, no. The door closed her in there. She's left alone in the dark, screaming. She couldn't get out. And when the parents, they hear this, they come down and try to, they open the door. They really struggle, but they finally open the door. The girl came out with like these crazy scars, not fresh scratches, but tons of scars covering her body. And she wouldn't talk about what happened. And the scars eventually disappeared after a few days. I found some pretty spooky stories on thoughtcatalog.com and I thought I'd read some of them to you. Okay. Because those weren't spooky enough that I already shared. I was nine when me and my friends tried doing Bloody Mary at my house one weekend. As well as I remember, there were five of us and we carried my mom's candles in the upstairs bathroom and all five of us were chanting Bloody Mary. We saw an old woman with cuts on her face and chains around her neck and shoulders looking out of the mirror at us. Then the shower curtain went up in flames and we ran out of the bathroom. An older boy ran into the bathroom and luckily for us got the fire put out. We all got in big trouble for it and the parents thought we caught the shower curtain on fire with the candles. But we had the candles at least six feet from the shower curtain when it suddenly went up in flames. I know for a fact that we did not touch the shower curtain with a candle. Oh my gosh. That story was from Katie. This story is from Nikki. We chanted Bloody Mary three times and nothing happened. So we just laughed it off and turned the lights on. We were lying on the floor getting ready to go to bed when we heard someone walk up and down the hallway. And we knew we were the only ones home. Then I saw the hall light come on and my bathroom door flew open and the tap started running full force. And then the shower came on. My friend Macy went and turned everything off and suddenly it was calm. Then we heard someone drumming their fingers on the door outside in the hall. We all held our hands up to show we weren't doing it and it kept going. Oh my gosh. I jumped up and flung the door open and it stopped. Then my closet doors burst open. We started praying that it would all stop and suddenly it did. Nothing has happened since and I am so glad. Wow. That's why you flush the toilet or she'll follow you out. I mean, there's some science behind it that if you're in the dark with a faint light like a candle Mm -hmm. and you're staring at a mirror for very long, some people have reported that their reflections change. I mean, there's some science behind your mind. Mm -hmm. You go in there saying Bloody Mary and you're visualizing this woman. The mind is crazy. The brain is crazy. And Mm -hmm. it shows the craziest things. You are summoning something like I just don't know. Did you ever see anything? I never did. I was always very scared. I always went in and just closed my eyes and stood there with my hand on the toilet thing ready to flush it. I did see something. No, you didn't. I did. But it wasn't Bloody Mary. You're going to laugh when you hear what I saw. But I, to this day, now I was in fifth grade, so I was 10. To this day, I remember what I saw. 
What? A dog. What? I did. I saw a dog. You had too much Tito's. <laughs> no, I saw a dog that looked very similar to Toto in The Wizard of Oz. Tito! <laughs> <laughs> but it made me really sad. So I think the dog was dead. That is what I saw. That's crazy, Mom. Yeah. And then we turned on the lights. But that is what I saw. And I, to this day. Did the girls day, you were with say that too or no? I don't remember any of that. Did you flush the toilet when you were done? No, I'd never heard of that. <sighs> I'm just very happy my babysitter taught me that. I saw a dog. I believe you. Toto dog. I believe you. It's weird, but I believe you. <laughs> Didn't read any of that, did you? No, nope. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> there are some really scary stories about how like, I feel like the story of Mary Bloodsworth in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. um, I think the East Coast really that's kind of where that story comes mm-hmm. from for them. And they, they're they the ones that I saw mostly believed in that they'd see Bloody Mary with a baby. Mm-hmm. Some of those stories were really, because I'd never heard that before about a baby or anything like that. But there were some stories where like Bloody Mary like threw the baby at them and they oh. could see the baby kind of coming at them and then it would just like vanish before it hit them. Just crazy stories. And of course, you know, you kind of take everything you read or see online with a grain of salt, salt but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. People have been doing this for so long. I just thought that was really interesting. (laughs) And I hope that the history lesson of all the queens and women in Europe weren't boring. But I thought that was very interesting. Those are the top four people of who. And look up pictures of them. We can post them on our website. We'll post all of the pictures. Elizabeth Bathory was beautiful. I'm still grossed out by the man being sewed to a horse. Yeah, that was like five minutes into my story. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the thing that lingers with me. Uh, All of those medieval tortures were so weird and crazy and totally wrong. Very creative. (laughs) Geesh. Oh, well, the end. toast with my bloody mary well next week mom we have stories in massachusetts that's right massachusetts i got another very scary story the research for these last two stories for this week's and next week's have kept me up spooked (laughs) so be prepared Uh, Like I said, we will post pictures from this episode as well as all of our resources from this episode on our website, www.killerhangoverpodcast.com. There's a lot of fun stuff on our website. You guys can listen to the episodes on our website. You can follow the website so that you get notified whenever we post anything on the website. There's also a place where you can send us your personal stories or just message us and say, hey, or yeah, leave us a comment. Any recommendations, send them to us. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, thank you again to all of our patrons. We'd love for you all to join us on Patreon. The link is on our website as well as in the description of this episode. And don't Patreons get a special little episode? Yes, we always release an extra episode every month. And so your extra episode will be coming out next week. There you go. So even more reason for you all to join. All right, sweetie. Another fun one, Mom. I'm creeped out. (laughs) Cheers, Mama. Cheers. Love you, kid. (laughs) 